take two middle-aged men who happen to be cousins and share a common codependency on movies, put them in a room, and tell them to talk about anything film-related. The result? An existential exposition of cinematic synergy we call The Finleys on Film. Why did you eat that liver? That was pretty tasty. It was cold. It's cold liver. Yeah, I was talking about it. It was nice. It was tasty. It's like a, it's like a, like a nice bra- like a dark Braunschweiger, like a like a like an angry <laughs> like an angry liverwurst. Yep. Yep. Just fucking and think about it. Like English people eat organ meats for breakfast all the time. So I figure I'm just exploring a little bit of the old English countryside there. Very uh, good. My Tommy. own mouth. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> about what my mouth tastes organ like. Organ right in now. your mouth. That's yes, right. Sir. Liver and coffee, and my mouth tastes just about like the uh, the morning. <laughs> For <laughs> the fucking Moors of York. Well, good, good morning to you, Mr. Finley. Uh, good morning, Mr. Finley. Hello. Uh, we're talking about Al Pacino today. Holy shit. Are the we talking great, about Al Pacino? There are two. Al, you know what's interesting? Hold on, we're talking about, not only are we talking about the great Al Pacino, we're talking about Al Pacino when he was great. Well, that's what I was going to get to, is, is that there's one advantage that's clear about the 1980 delineation we make for this podcast, which is when you run into the Pacinos... De Niro's another one. Yeah. You're going to get them at not only their high point, but the only high point, which is like this decade where they were amazing. Pacino and, and De Niro peaked in the eighties for sure. I would say De Niro had a longer sort of a had a longer run of being like the great actor. He didn't fall into the kind of the trap of persona, like the way the, I, that's what I'm going to call it for Pacino. I, I don't know what else to call that. The persona, his own persona. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like he just he well, that, wait. There's no. He was always kind of high energy. I think that was always no. kind of one of his tricks, except in like The Godfather. No, in the movies we're talking about today, he had like a he had like an energy to him. No, crackly energy. I think. Ah. Well, okay. We're going to just do, all right, this is going to be awesome. Okay, cool. No, I mean, there's definitely two Pacinos. There is, yeah. you know, whether it's like uh, Panic in Needle Park, which I thought maybe we should do, but I'm glad we chose something else. Actually, we'll talk about that later. Oh, yeah. Um, Panic in Needle Park, <laughs> The Godfather, Godfather 2, Serpico, Dark mm-hmm. Day Afternoon. Um, and, and Justice for All is where you first begin to sort of see the departure yeah. in 1979, right? Yeah, but before that, it's very like I can't do I can't do the first Pacino, but it's sort of like um, it's not it's not personal, Sonny. It's not personal. It's very sort of like closed mouth, almost like he's got a pen in his mouth mm-hmm. and he's talking all the time. It's mm-hmm. very sort of like. Yeah, cool I see what you're under the radar, and then later on, it's like, what time is it? What time? Tick tock, a watch. <laughs> That's what time it is. You know, and it's like I don't uh, know when that happened. How did you get from point A to point B? Man? Well, Scarface was sort of like, you know, it, it's like Injustice for All. I think is is part of it, and then Scarface was uh, was kind of like a fucking- break. And then he after he came out of Scarface, damaged somehow. Can we fucking can we blame Durant? No, what the fuck? De Palma. De, De Palma for yeah. this. Yeah, can we do that? For Pacino's For ruining down. Al Pacino. Yeah, because... God damn it. Well, fuck you, De Palma. Now I know I hate you. Well, I mean, you still see that he is a good actor. It's in there somewhere. You got your yeah. scent of a woman, which I think is is too maligned. Sea I mean, of, it's... Sea it, of Love was pretty good. You remember that? Yeah, I mean, they're good. There's yeah, some okay wasn't. movies, but it's like, you take a look at the 70s Pacino, <laughs> starting with Panic and Needle Park, which we're not really going to talk about, but that's a fucking dark... Um, Tragic, you know, he portrayal. Fucked, he fucked, we're going to be talking about some movies here, and he he went he covered a lot of fucking ground subject wise. He certainly did, and I think I think he needed it like John Cazal in like every third movie just to keep him straight or something. John Cazal only made um, five, like five. Yeah, Deer Hunter was his last one. That was he was the love of uh, Meryl Streep's life. 
Really? Yeah. Uh, she still talks about him. I think much to the chagrin of her current husband, but <laughs> about the, the love of her life is John Cazale. Why, maybe maybe he's maybe he's slaying some dick or something. I don't know, but but he was just such a he was such a great you know actor in the background. He just made everything work. I a lot of people said is. he wasn't smart, but he would claim I'm smart. He's smart. I'm not dumb. <laughs> not like they say. Absolute. I want respect. You hear that Bill Burr line about Trump? Um, <laughs> that uh, I want to hear it now. Trump is. Um, has Sonny's confidence, but Fredo's ability. <laughs> <laughs> Holy oh, God damn you, Bill. Yeah, Bill Burr. Anyway, so so Pacino is, I mean, Pacino's one of those great like extensions, right? I mean, I think the, the, the dotted line that's pretty obvious would be like Brando, maybe even James Dean and Montgomery Clift as a sort of like the, the, the they preceded like right. the De Niro's and the Pacino's. Mm-hmm. In terms of like, um, and maybe like Dustin Hoffman, but like I was going to bring up Hoffman too, yeah, because he's in there somewhere. I don't know what it is. It's not quite method acting, but there's a certain sort of passion of of New York actors that came out of that mm-hmm. era. Yeah. And I guess I guess Hoffman's sort of like the middle ground because he's more '60s and, into '70s. Would you think there must be like some actual co-joining force to that, like some some artistic force in New York that maybe did? I I'm sure there is, and I'm sure somebody knows this. I just don't. I just don't. I don't know, but it's also that that like, it's, like an acting school where they all came through or something. Like I that. hate to sound so douchey, but I guess I probably do all the time. But but it's like I think Oof, the school yeah. was New York City itself because New York City in the late '60s into the '70s became such um, oh. partially, at least, a hellhole yeah. that it's sort of like you know Scorsese was saying hellhole. one time on, on the Woody Allen documentary, like I right. love Woody Allen, I love. Lot, but but the movies that he the New York he portrays is something I know nothing about, <laughs> right? Because his is all about Hell's Kitchen, right? Yeah, and you can't get much grittier than these movies we're talking about today, right? These fucking movies are all about that. Well, but but gritty, but also it's sort of like a willingness to bring um, a clear, like an auteurship, uh, a cinematic sort of like um, deft hand to it. Go ahead. Right. And there's a, there's also that look and the feel of the seventies again, the film stock of the time period yep. in New York. It's like that film stock was 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 made just to film the grittiness of New York at that time. You yeah, can feel you can feel the leaded fumes coming off the cars. And I don't know the first film that where we you see it. I'm sure it's before this, but the first like popular film I think is '71's French Connection, where yeah, you see that that right, stock right. and that sort of landscape of New York and its deterioration. Mm-hmm. But in any case, we're starting with um, 1973's Serpico, right. which is based, you know, I, I don't think too loosely, actually. Mm, fairly, supposedly pretty, pretty square on. Yeah, on Frank Serpico's experience in the New York City Police Department in the late in the mid to late 60s. Yeah, it's so a great biopic of uh, Frank Serpico. It was a, uh, a New York cop. Who got tired of um, the, the corruption around him and, and tried to take the, the tried to take it into his own hands and, and became you know a, a hell of a celebrity in his own day. And this movie is, is again, it's a recreation of that. And um, fucking Al Pacino is so goddamn good. And I've never seen it before, so I'm, oh, glad, okay. I'm glad I finally did. Yeah, yeah, because you know. God love Finley number one, uh, Finley number three. But uh, you know, according to him, the, the Serpico was all about the the liberal bullshit. So. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, so there's a great line in SOB where mm-hmm. the two cops drop by the orgy mm-hmm. and they tell William Holden, like, if you ever want real cop story, none of that circle crap. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Yeah, Well, but and by the way, Tom, this is not Death Wish. Just to anyone who hasn't seen it, like when you say take it into his own hands, we're not talking about a vigilante. We're talking about working within the system, like internal investigation. It's kind of like the beginning of real internal investigation of the police department. In yeah, certainly in New York City, and it's also showing like how when I say take it into your own hands, it's like how alone he was in doing this fucking thing. Right. Because and how he got fucked by the system that was in place, and also that he didn't necessarily want to immediately like take the system down no. it's like he just wanted to not be part of it right and, and that wasn't enough no because because if you don't take a bribe the other cops are like suspicious of you and treat you accordingly and in this case make him drive around with the fucking bag man picking up all the prize yeah i mean consider also by the way we're living in an age where where colin kaepernick is still a villain to 50 percent of of the american populace uh, in 2018 right so th- consider like how ballsy it is 45 years ago in 1973 right. to make this film right well it is it is interesting to point out that serpico did eventually when he he retired uh, like almost immediately after the events in this movie what transpired mm-hmm. he moved to switzerland yeah and lived there for many many years yep yeah so fuck okay movie. okay so so yeah go ahead no, it, I mean, it follows the career of this young Frank Serpico. Mm-hmm. As he goes into the academy. It's his life's dream to become a New York City cop. He even talks about that at one point. He, uh, you know, then he settles in Greenwich Village. He's kind of a hippie, so he moves into, um, you know, more sort of non-traditional. He's, he's not wearing the blue suit for very long, mm-hmm. put it that way. So, uh, so yeah, so it's like his hair goes crazy, and that, that gets him in trouble with his fucking... No, that really gets him in, gets him in deep with a bunch of his cop buddies, you know, yeah. with, or the other cops that he works with. And then he gets his place in Greenwich Village, and there's like a couple of scenes, and then I'm like, fuck, I want to time travel. Now I know if I do that thing where you time travel back into the past, I want to yep. go... I want to have a place in Greenwich, Greenwich Village in New York City in the 70s. Well, yeah, why? Because just like sitting in his, in, his little, in his little back porch, like, you know, smoking a hookah and mm-hmm. drinking some coffee uh, and, just, and just having fun with his neighbors. Fuck, man, that just seems really great to me. To well, be able to do that end in New York City <laughs> in an affordable sense is amazing. So, so, so one of the things that that um, they try to get do a with... crime wave to take over San Francisco to be amazing. Come on, <laughs> sorry, oh, it would just be you know branded yeah. as some sort of like hipster crime it, yeah, it would area be a- or something. <laughs> it would become a crime wave, but it'd be all white collar crime. Yeah, You're stealing your identity. Fuck. One of the things about this film is I I think that um because it it's historical. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. it's um a biopic as you say. And it it try it, it has a sort of a certain obligation to sort of retell the facts, right? But but from what point of view? Obviously, to for the most part, from Serpico's point of view. Yeah. But but one of the things I think that it has to do in order to be successful, and why it is successful, is it has to sort of counterbalance all the things that are going on. So in other words, like. Well, here's where it's. Let me point some things out that are successful and some things that are not so successful. Mm. One is Serpico, the man portrayed by Pacino, is not always completely sympathetic. Yeah, he has failings. He right. he um, is he not always. Of, yeah, he's kind of cunty sometimes. He's kind of an asshole, and yeah. and and you know, is it his his um, obsession with um, the morality? And, mm-hmm. and 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 busting these guys or busting the system where where they're crooked cops, or is it that he's it, it's become a sort of like um, ego for him, right? And and so that's part of it, and, and it never really clarifies as to which you know it, it's kind of a little probably a, column A column B, yeah, right. And we're talking we're talking about corrupt cops. We're not talking about. 
I mean, we're talking about like fucking serious. Like we're talking about yeah. a cop pulling in an extra 120 grand a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's a lot of corrupt. Yeah, having yeah. a second sort of house or, you know, yeah, yeah, that type yeah. of thing. Yeah, and, and yeah, and of course, yeah, he, he becomes the sort of the danger to this this um it's well, underground institution that they have going his here existence by existence is considered a threat. Yeah, so so it's like but but I think they do a good job of of making him a flawed person. Yeah. Or maybe Pacino does a good job of making him a flawed person. Now, I think where it's not quite as successful, but at least I admire where they're going sometimes is it's like he's he's an extension of like Frank Bullet, right? Mm. It's like 5 years later in New York, so it, it's like ultra cool. You know, as you said, he's got like the beard yeah, and long he's hair. Very, he's he's very wearing hip. stuff like that. Yeah. And, but it's and then it's like all of a sudden he's he's obsessed with opera. And so right. it's sort of like they have to infuse all these sort of, he's like a motorcycle driving, opera loving, yeah. dog loving yeah. asshole. It's one of those cheats things on where like, if, there's, if there's a flaw in this movie, it's that it is a bio it's a, it, that it is a biopic. Yep. All right. And that in that so we you know, like in any given thing, like you see him coming through like his finishing he's got the academy speech. That's where the movie begins, right? Yep. And you can see he's just like fiery and dedicated and you can tell that. Any in any in any other movie, like a movie that's a fictional account of of a detective like that, they would write that in somehow without you having to go all the way back to see the speech and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, for it's, sure. It's, it's, so it's hoping so close to the reality of it that it's going to do things like, yeah, bring in his love of opera, right? Yeah. Which he's singing weirdly as he's crossing, I think, is the Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah, and then the other thing is this. <laughs> I'm always again. kind of interested in, in how, um, like, danger is portrayed here. And, and really, I, I don't know another way to put it, but it's like... Um, it's uh, black men are scary. Yes. Uh, no, that wasn't me just talking. By the way, I just <laughs> oh, want to sorry. clarify. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, it's how the movies portray. Yeah. Well, yeah, in a way, and it's like I I don't know whether I'm sort of swooping in and, and sort of imposing like wait a minute is that unfair? But it's also sort of like I, I I'm just talking about storytelling. Yeah. Like it becomes a little mm-hmm. bit of a crutch sometimes. Right. You know what I mean? Um, but you know, it's, it's a fucking interesting film for sure. It's gritty and it, it, um, it has like sweetness sort of infused in it. I forget the guy's name. I want to say it's Tony Roberts, but that's not it. A guy who shows up in like, uh, the taking of Pelham one, two, three shows up in some Woody Allen films, mm-hmm. but it's his, it's his friend who's always trying to sort of get like, um, f- uh, Frank Serpico to, to break yeah. and tell his story. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's a good study also of the institutions. Cause it's like, you know, I know this guy, he's a bright guy from Princeton. He's He's a lawyer. If you just if you tell him your story, he can get somebody on it. He can get someone in the DA's office. Oh wait, the DA thinks this is a bad time because it's going to be a hot summer right, and we're expecting right. race riots. And, and, and then of course, and then of course, Serpico loses his mind on his friend, the guy who's actually his one ally. Yeah, that's that's part of that thing where he's this flawed. He's kind of he's kind of a prick sometimes. You know? Yeah, it's a really it's a it's a bit of a long movie, but it's yeah. um it's got some great pacing in it. I think it's a really sort of um interesting study in morality. It doesn't overdo it. No, that's what I like. It's it. pretty magnificent. I would say if it's uh, if any of our viewers are going to have a hard time with it, it's because it's of New York of a time and place that simply doesn't fucking exist anymore. Yeah, plus we don't have viewers, <laughs> so that'll be a, a real challenge. Well, yeah, true, true. I mean, literally, like Forty you know, Second Street did not have like an M M&M and M store oh, right. back then. Like I, I was in there in like the eighties. We went to a strip club and it was just rancid down in the. What happened? Uh, there was this. Uh, Okay, so you couldn't get a lap dance, but there was like a mirror, like a window show. And uh-huh. So you go into this 
this incredibly skanky sort of like side area and then there's this enormous window and then the nice young lady is on the other side except she's not nice or young uh, and uh, she's uh, she's over there uh, picking her scab and you're trying not uh, to the idea is you're supposed to pull out and wank on the glass but the uh, glass, but the glass, on the glass. Uh, well, yeah but the glass but here's the thing the glass already has just it just looks like a bunch of birds have pooped around oh, the side of it no, already. This sounds terrible. <laughs> it was just wild. I really wanted my. I really wanted that. Uh, that ten. That two, was it. Ten or 12, ten bucks back. Wow. Oh yeah, it was not okay. No, but that. But that was like that. That was the kind of peep show going on down there. Yeah. And now it's all cleaned up. That just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Well, all all three of our films today um, take place in in New York. All three of our films have a certain element of what I'm talking about here because yeah. they're from that time. They're of their time and place, and so I think some people might find that a little confronting now. But they're such great movies. So we switch over to 1975 and to Brooklyn, Brooklyn, and we're talking about Dog Day Afternoon, Fuck. which is it's hard to talk about Pacino without talking about this film, right? Sunny. It was one of my favorite movies. Yeah, one of my favorite. Yeah, it's it's in the top. It's in the top twenty. For You're not sure. dying, Sonny. You're killing everyone around you. <laughs> Shut up, you goddamn pig. Yeah, so it's it's uh, it's now we have John Cassell, yes. uh, co-starring as um, what the fuck? Oh, Sal, Sal, that's right, Sal and Sonny, the crazy and, Sal, back in the bank, and the two of them, and with and a third guy who exits quickly, decide that they're going to <laughs> rip off a bank in Brooklyn. I was watching this movie, thinking this is like, this is a movie that mirrors life, and mm-hmm. this is going to sound weird, but it really mirrors life. The you think you've got a plan, and things little little stupid mundane things fuck it up. And being nice fucks it up. Wow. And doing the right thing fucks it up a Sounds lot of like times. This is well when you get to, when you get to be my age, you, you you look back and you go, yeah, there's a lot of that going on here. Huh. And 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 it's just, wait, who so was nice sense. here? Who was nice in this film? And dude, he gets fucked because he because he wants to let one of the tellers go to the bathroom like at the beginning. It gives the cops <laughs> just enough time to show up. Okay, it's a it's a, let's back up. Let's talk. It's okay, a yeah. bank heist. So they go into they get, it's a bank heist. They go into rob a bank. So he's he's been a teller in the past. Yeah, he knows about like all the stuff like the 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 one hundred dollar bills you don't lift from the drawer because those are the sort of like things that set off and he knows about the dye bags that right. explode once you and, take and them the, off and the fake bills and all this kind of stuff yeah, yeah so so he and his partner sal and there's a third character who goes in and, and quickly shits his pants and needs to get the hell out of it he's not any part of talk it about, okay this is the beginning of a bank robbery this is what i'm talking about it's the little it's the little mundane things that okay. make this yeah. movie work so well yeah the guy didn't bail before they pulled out their guns, he bailed immediately after they pulled right. out their guns. Yeah. So there's no way to back out of this fucking right. robbery at that point. Yeah, I can't he just do it. Throws his gun Sorry, to- Sonny. <laughs> He's got to leave. Yeah. Fuck. I mean, they're just there's just this 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 avalanche of little bullshitty details. There's a lot of that, you know, call for Pacino to be like, I what? What are you kidding me? Like it's a lot of that. It's a, you feel it as the audience member, and immediately it's, so, it's the anti-hero, right? It's, it's like Goodfellas. You're on his side, dude. Absolutely. You're like you feel sorry for this guy because, yeah. because again, I think we've all had moments like that. I mean, that's one of the things this movie is for what the storyline is. It's there's there's incredibly relatable. I think. Well, also it's yeah. Well, it, it contains itself, right? It's almost like could be done as a stage play, almost, right? Yeah. So because everything is is in the bank. Mm-hmm. Or on the street in front of the bank, right, right, right. With with odd like you know <laughs> remote shots to to his to his mom or his wife or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Okay, okay. So, and it's like and it notable by the way is Carol Kane as uh, in an early role, yeah. um, you know, pre taxi as as one of the tellers, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All yeah. right. So so you've got you know all of a sudden um, the police are tipped off, mm-hmm. right? And so then all of a sudden you've got this confrontation between the police um, yeah. headed by Charles Durning, who's almost always great. Well, it's a, first off. It's a young Charles Durning, which is to say he looks 43. Right. <laughs> the man never, the man came out of the vagina looking 27, sure. I'm sure. You yeah. Know? But, but it's, it's 
it's hilarious because it's not only that's the thing. This thing, this movie is so funny, but accidentally funny. It's it's, it's funny dark. Relative. It's a dark comedy. It's a dark comedy. Yeah. That's what this movie is. Yeah, and it is based on the things that are happening. That this is again based on a true story. Yeah. that more or less did happen. So it's not only it's not when you say the police, it's like. All the fucking police and the FBI because it's it's a federal crime, right? They're just they're like they're literally like a couple of hundred police surrounding this one bank. There's just no way anyone can you know win in this situation. No, it's just a nightmare. It's absolute tension. I mean, the tension here. You know, most most stories have this arc where it's like you know rising tension, some resolution, like then relief from the tension, Uh, and like several of those hills. This is just like one uh, like hill, like that's just tension and that. That's it, yeah. and it's just constantly the same scenario. Just keeps going. It, it 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 glues itself together. It glues itself together. It comes into it comes into perspective. Yeah, but it never loses that rising tension. You know, but actually, you know, I, I, now that I'm thinking about it, my next comment sort of undermines my previous comment, which right. is to say this: what I like about it is it has this huge arc of tension, and then it has very very human and revealing small tensions, yeah, right? right? So and, and or just moments, like just decent moments, like good moments. So so Sonny's in there with. Sal, mm-hmm. who's who's the great John Cazale, John Cazale. who's God, just so just, lovable and so huggable. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a lovely person. I didn't know like I didn't know sweating could be acting, and he pulls it off. And he's just so dumb, but so naive. <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, they're in there, and at one point, you know, um, Al Pacino's like trying to figure out like how do they get out of here? If we can get a plane, if if we can sort of hold these hostages and get a plane, we can get out of the country. Where should we go, Sal? Where do you want to go? Where does he want to go? Oh fuck, I don't remember. Hold on. Wyoming. Wyoming, right. That's, well, not, is, that's, well, not, that's not a country. That's not a, <laughs> Wyoming's not a country. Well, it's also the, the, so the thing is, ultimately, he, you find, we find out that Al Pacino's knocking over this bank because he wants to get, raise money for a sex change operation on some, per, uh, what, for Leon, his, Leon, who his is, transsexual uh, lover. Well, who he's become obsessed with. And it, were they actually lovers? I don't I think Yeah, they definitely. Were, okay. But, but, but he's trying to get that. And so meanwhile, this, then, then they're watching the news mm-hmm. and it comes across that, 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 that there's something gay ish going on yeah. in this bank. Well, cause it's 1975. Well, so it's sort right. of like, they, there's no, Transitioning, it's transsexual gay. And you're gay. You're right, gay. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so John Casal's character. Yeah. Just like, I don't want to be known as gay That's, when I die. They're, like, so, they're telling, they're, they're saying that there were. We're two gay men. <laughs> Tell them I'm not gay. Like it's it's a huge deal to him, and it's like, yeah, I get course, it. Yeah, I totally course. get where he's coming from. It's like that's the new obsession. It's not even dying. It's that, yeah. like you know, not <laughs> going want to down. die being known as gay. Like known as gay or oh, having this. So fuck. so there's these two. So now on the outside, sort of um, vis-a-vis phone, and here's the sort of like the non sort of on location shots, right? right. The remote shots. Oh. They bring Leon in, who's his transsexual lover, right. who who's so great i yeah. mean just such a great you know oh sunny again again with something you've done right right and then also his his wife who's who's trying to wrangle their bratty you know two kids and his wife's this heavy set lady oh. who's just blah 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 she's, ah, she's, what's he doing now he's oh they're robbing a bank sonny she's, she's sweet and she never shuts up never and she's utterly emasculating and you and sunny comes into you focus when you watch their yeah. interaction like, yeah. he, like he makes sense he's in pain because it's like you know he's he's in this thing that he marriage he hates yeah um he's in this complicated relationship with leon his transsexual lover i'm holding up air quotes <laughs> um he's doing all of this supposedly for leon 
Leon doesn't really want it. <laughs> he doesn't want it like with this, right? John Casale is, is uh, robbing a bank for the usual reasons, but too dumb to do anything but, but rely on Sonny, right? And, and, and <coughs> well, now is he? No, here's the thing. I, for me, this was never answered. I thought he was doing it for the usual reasons, sure, for the money, but also because he was just incredibly like Sonny was his friend. Yeah, he's, he's, he's loyal. just an incredibly loyal person, loyal person to his friend. So it's like all, all, I mean, it's really you know, it, it's one of those situations where it's like Star Trek's not about space. This is not about a bank robbery it's really about all of those things mm-hmm. like you know expe- other people's expectations how long do we stay in our miserable situation how far are we willing to go to get out of it right. and then of course this other thing happens which is the neighborhood in brooklyn i, mean, I don't <laughs> remember which neighborhood it is it becomes uh, fascinated with Sonny. He's yeah. their hero all yep, of a sudden because he's doing everything on a hot summer day in 1975 that they can't do with their own lives. Oh, he's, he's, telling the, he's, telling, he's telling the pigs to go fuck themselves. Yeah, and he starts. He's to shouting enjoy. Attica on the street, Attica! and they're like, yeah, which, which had a rel- which had a resonance at that time. Yeah, and so he's finding a, a little bit of celebrity too, and you begin to see that s- start to take hold. Like maybe that's his own sort of like mental way out of the situation is to become a bit of a celebrity, like a, like a folk hero. Yeah, and so. So that that's the rest of the film is like how are they going to resolve this situation right and it begins and, and, and back to Charles Durning who's who's so good he's really, as the cop who's he's trying so hard and in, in a way that he actually respects Sonny more than the, the people he works with that's right. another thing it's like shut up you motherfuckers I'm trying to get this guy on the phone I'm trying to get him you know to talk to him guns at him. like the cops are like oh my god it's hilarious it's such a great film it, it's uh. I mean it's it's different from Serpico and that Serpico really doesn't have any humor in it you know, it, it, right. for a yeah. movie, no, it's, it doesn't. You're Serpico's right. not humorless I, because to me, humorless is a word that that describes a movie that takes itself too seriously or doesn't get away with or, it. And Serpico or, or, does, or it lacks a humanity inside of the movie. Yeah, and, and Serpico does. Serpico, Serpico doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but it's different from Dog Day Afternoon, which which is a dark movie but has quotable funny lines. Yeah, for sure. I got to say this. Uh, I just want to point out Leon, the uh, the transsexual, is played by Chris Sarandon. Oh. Good actor. Uh, husband of uh, Susan, I believe. No. Well, yeah. first husband, obviously. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's your homo. Anyways, mm. moving on. <laughs> moving on. Now here, this is oh, why. Now man. initially I, I questioned, because this is another one that I had seen that you hadn't seen. So I no. questioned my suggestion here because I thought maybe I should have gone more serious. Maybe I'm being too flighty here by suggesting this movie instead of... Panic in Needle Park, yeah, 1971, Needle. which is a great movie. And I haven't seen it. I, I recommend it highly. All right, all right. But this is, um, now I mentioned 1979's <laughs> Injustice for All, and that's where he starts to get a little bit like that old tick-tock, you know, it's famous scene in, in, in Injustice for All is, um, you're out of order. The whole system's yeah, out of right. order, right? right, right. And, but he's calmed, he's pulled it back a little bit, a little John Turturro style, actually, <laughs> in, in a movie, 1980, called Cruising. Cruising. Oh my, oh my. Okay, well now, Cruising is more than one movie. First of all, I have to say, all right, talk it, to uh, me. meaning, well, you know, people say this in in like creative writing workshops. I think this is two poems, not one, and it's sort of like mm-hmm. I kind of feel like this movie peels off and becomes a second movie because uh, for for about three quarters of the movie, <laughs> it's it's like an early CSI episode in that it's like you have the scenario where it's trying to depict a certain aspect of the gay community in New York City, right? right. Now, this film initially, by the way, got um, picketed um, but, by yeah. the LGBTQ community right. of, Which of did, New York. Which wasn't called that at the time. Well, whatever yeah. it was, the Gay Alliance or whatever it was right, right. in 1980, mm-hmm. because it was like, you're stereotyping. And it's like, yes, 
because it doesn't represent gay America, but it certainly does represent a certain gay, a certain aspect of the gay community in America, right. which is to say, the, the the sort of partying, clubbing, sort of sexually adventurous. <laughs> yes. I mean, look. I think any. Just side note. I think any group that's marginalized. Yeah. Here's the pity. Here's what happens when you marginalize a group as much as America or the world has marginalized the gay community or any group. What happens is the first group to be vocal usually is the one that's I don't know how to put it like the most questionable. Well, yeah, militant and because it's the group that's yeah. going to be like fuck you, right? And, and so it's right. like okay, then right. that's the people who are less nuanced, right? Right? And so then all of a sudden it's like it it's becomes this weird sort of circle where it's like of course you can't say the all, gay America is like like motorcycle hat wearing leather clad but those are the first people who guy, are going to show getting themselves fisted in a bar <laughs> oh yeah so we'll get into that so so um it, it's like it starts to sort of show that community it introduces mm. you and it has that sort of shock value and and this was big i think in cinema and like okay in, in 1979 you have george c scott and hardcore where he's searching for his runaway daughter who's right. gotten into pornography. Mm. You have this film in 1980. Right. In 1983, you remember 10 to Midnight, where the serial killer was like a jack-off king with oh, Charles God. Bronson? Do you yes. remember that? Oh, my God. Was it? Yeah, 10 to Midnight. That's right. Yes. yes. I want to oh, say in 1984, yeah. you have Tightrope, which is um, yeah, yeah. Get, getting leathery and old um, Clint 80s, Eastwood. 80s having a hard time with, with uh, sort of outgoing. Out, Outward sexuality. Well, no, I mean, it was, but it was the same sort of thing. Like, it was going to introduce it in a way that was like part of what was going to carry the film. And it's right. a weakness of this film is like, kapow! Yeah. Guys going down on oh, guys. It's definitely exploitative. It's definitely exploitative. <laughs> oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, it's gay, well, gay exploitation, right? Tell, yeah, okay, but tell me on here, like, as far as the exploitation element of this movie, yeah. the first part you said, as you said, comes across as a bit of a CSI. Mm -hmm. for, my, for my money, the second part where, like, the actual, like, where where the the maniac gets captured, all that mm -hmm. is so tacked on. Yeah, well, that's that it's that like, was, that it's like it's like it's like man, that, that was just this is the excuse for the first part. That was what was noted about the film, and it has that sort of smell. We'll, we'll explain what we're talking about in a minute, but it has that sort of smell of like um, it went to test audiences and they just reshot it or something, which is not what happened. It was uh -huh. actually written that way. But but anyway, so we start okay. with this. So we have Al Pacino. Um, who's is a young Frank Serpico? Uh, he sort of right. <laughs> it almost feels like this is like Serpico two or something. Well, like except that. yeah, the the There's... taming we'll call it because it's like you know he's he's not he just wants to get along. He wants to be promoted. Right. He'll go with anything. Paul Servino. Servino. Sorry. Yeah. This is you know pre Goodfellas. He's he's um um thinner anyway, and he's um he's... again another another Charles Durning is, a, is an actor who never looked less than middle aged. So there's been this sort of spate <laughs> of. Gay murders. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a there's a serial killer out killing gay men. But killing them like during the, all like of the leather during community. sort of like evocative sex acts, basically. Right, like right. you know, take them back. Let me tie you up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, daddy, and then like stab you five times. Right, right, right. And so it's it's with pretty, a knife. It's pretty, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very good. Um, and so it's it's got some pretty sort of heavy scenes with violence too, where it's like you know like a arm like floating in the bay, decomposing, and they're trying to sort of put like pieces back yeah, together that with did a torso. Not look delicious at all. Mm -mm -mm. No. Um, and it's so it's sort of like yeah, okay, that's you know not too off the beaten path. Yeah, it's a little shocking for 1980, I'm sure, to have all these sort of gay club sex scenes. Right. But it's like okay, let's set the scene in a scene that most of America still doesn't really relate to, but. 
but certainly mm-hmm. did in 1980. Uh, we're gonna sh- we're gonna bring you into this community, show you what goes on, show you how um, people just like you get laid, and then during that, like <laughs> they're getting killed. And so, like, right. how do we find this guy? All right. So so far, it's it's not unusual, right. Too much as a film, right? But then. Right, then, and then Pacino is going to be he's going to go undercover recruited a straight to, man going undercover yeah. as a gay can you and <laughs> Savino like, community. like his interview is like you ever sucked a cock <laughs> like no sir you ever get your pulse smoked yeah yeah he did use did, a few did, did anybody ever rub your shoulders like this with oil <laughs> do you like gladiator movies Tommy <laughs> so so um, so yeah it's just, it's just already kind of like a laughable premise and by the way when I suggested this film all I remembered was that it was kind of laughable in a way right yeah. And it is to begin with because Pacino is, I mean, he immediately goes out and tries to figure out all the different colored bandanas to wear for like getting urinated on or blowing a guy in the bushes. It shows the classic sort of like, you know, and this is sort of like documented All the shit that straight guys would have read about, about gay men. Well, it's like the the, the brambles of of Central Park is like a famous sort of gay hangout in the 70s. And, and, And he's wearing his sort of like, you know, biker's hat and all this stuff. And then it gets kind of ridiculous. It's like, wait a minute. It's a psychological study. If you go undercover, do you start becoming gay? Because right. there's a scene that's about eight seconds long where he's lifting weights. He's like, ah! <laughs> and he's looking at himself in the mirror and right. like his own flexy muscles. But then or there's s- another one where he's coming away from a, like some kind of sex dungeon thing, goes home, and just rails the shit out of his girl. Well, that's what I was going to say. And, and it was like... <laughs> Played by Miriam from... Uh, I can't remember the actress's name, but Miriam from... Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, that's her, really? Yeah. So, so, but it's like, is that for him? That's for his character, but it's also definitely clearly for us, right? Of course. For uh, especially clue about his like straight males who are watching this film, like right? Okay, so he's still he hasn't been infected by the gay, right? Right? He's still gonna rail it, right? But apparently he got an enormous hard on and had to take it somewhere because yeah, (laughs) because that girlfriend, by the way, has no function. In this film, whatsoever, except to get fucked by him occasionally to show that he hasn't been infected by the gay. Right. And then also, (laughs) as the gay maybe starts infecting him, she takes a hike. Right. Because he's becoming impossible to live with. Because he's He's cleaning everything. He's putting duvets. It's terrible. (laughs) Tommy. Come on now. Yeah. So, all right. So so there's all of that, and he's trying to sort of figure out... um, I, and they and think, I guess who the murderer is? I, I, That's part of the Sort story. of. But at, at one point, they think they have their guy because the for, the guy works at a steakhouse as a busboy. And the, the steaks, the knives he comes in contact with seem like the kind of knives that would stab a fella. That had been used in these particular murders. So, know, in a particularly hilarious sequence... He, he wears a wire, gets picked up by who they think the serial killer is. They go to a hotel. The guys who are monitoring him all of a sudden lose the signal. They all burst in, and you see a naked De Niro hogtied on a bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just sexy, sunny. I'd like to point out also, like up to this point, okay, so this this guy, that again, a little misdirection. Yep. Up to this point, we've seen the killer. Yeah, but with like big mirror shades on and yeah. fully in leather drag, so it might. So as a viewer, this guy this might guy. have been this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that going on. Yeah, there definitely is. <laughs> and then it just sort of like the last quarter takes this really. I, I mean, I, I think could have been interesting turn. It right. just is not well executed, and it becomes very Freudian, right? So it's like maybe it's this other guy, and we follow this guy, and he's having hallucinations about his dead father, like talking to his dead father. Yeah, he's got like a box of letters that he's written to his father but and never, never sent because the guy's dead. You and know, it's all these daddy issues, yeah, yeah. and yeah, 
I don't know. It just wasn't. And then famously in this film, after they they do capture, and then, I mean it's yeah, let's spoiler. Let's they let's capture him. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, De Niro goes back to the girlfriend, mm-hmm. and then there's a sort of thing where he's shaving and looks at the camera, and you're made to believe that maybe he was a killer was the killer or right. has become a killer or has become uh, gay or all three yeah and it's not clear at no. all there's something very very murky and so actually what i what i kind uh. of cheaply and initially wanted to do was to bring this film up and just sort of make fun of its cheesiness but what i really want to talk about is how this is a movie that could have been apt or maybe even interesting and out of defensiveness constantly the filmmakers just kind of ruined it Mm, yeah, I'll go with you on that. I would say that this is a movie to watch because it's hilarious to watch a movie like this right yeah. now. But the actual product itself is dreadfully humorless. This yeah. is not, it's taking itself way too fucking seriously, first off. Yeah, and again... And then, and then also, I mean, it was, again, another product of its, of its time and place. Anybody, like, for instance, okay, we find... We open up with finding that arm floating in the uh, in the Hudson or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And, then, and then basically, like, people, like... People who like serial killers who cut people up and drop them in the river, yeah. cut people up and drop them in the river. They don't stop doing that. Their MOs, the serial killer's MO almost never changes. I mean, it's very rare that it does. Huh. They wouldn't have known that in the seventies because they were like at the dawn of the serial killer thing. Now, now we've now we've got books and and people like me who are sort of fascinated with serial killers who know this weird disturbed shit. Disturbed with your inside here. Yeah, frankly. They, don't, they don't usually change that. But of course, the people making the movie wouldn't have known that, I suppose. Yeah. But but watching it now with in, a, in sort of a modern context, it's like eh, that's kind of weird. That's another. That's another flaw that nobody knew was a flaw at the time. Oh, uh, okay. I wouldn't have known that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm like my obsession. I'm not even that obsessed compared to a lot of people I know, but well, still, I know that. Well, so I'm going to say this actually. So, like, I, I can't say this is a good movie, but mm. I, uh, you know, you and I are diametrically opposed, I think, on the concept of like a movie's so bad, it's good. Right. I kind of got that with this one. It felt mm. so bad that it kind of was good kind of pleasing sometimes sure and and then other things were pleasing in the in i you mean just it's like all the man ass well all yeah for sure but but There's also a lot of it too yeah but but that, regarding that stuff it had sort of like um meta shock value meaning like i kept imagining myself in 1980 like on a date and right. just like looking up at the screen and it's, I mean they, a guy's like greasing his arm and f- like fisting a guy. I mean they don't show the penetration, but like clearly fisting a guy up to his elbow in the bar and just like constant like wow what, this was really it would be actually a little um, uh, disturbing possibly in, in t- now, but like in t- 1980. Yeah, do you remember? Uh, do you remember? Do you remember back when the Onion was funny and paper. Remember yeah, that? Sure. <laughs> there, there was one article they had, which is uh, Gay Pride Parade sets gay straight relationships back 25 years. Oh, yeah. We just wanted to go there and see them as people, but they were fisting each other on a float in the middle yeah. of the street. <laughs> so that was going on. Like, it was, it, it's, yeah, because their depiction of like these clubs yeah. wasn't just like people having beers and, and hooking up, and we were like people getting fisted in the bar. Like it's yeah, but you it's pretty awesome. Adjacent it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I, when I lived in San Diego, I lived adjacent to Hillcrest. I don't think that it's it might have inaccurate might have been in the seventies. I don't know. No, I don't think it's inaccurate. I think those things happen today. I just don't. I mean, it's obvious. 
it's you, you need know. at least a punch card, like a, like get, like buy ten <laughs> beers, fucking join a club to get into that. Oh, for some reason, I'm thinking of the sheepdog and the coyote. When you said that, <laughs> good morning, Sam. Good morning, Ralph. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so I don't. I mean, we haven't. I mean, most of Al Pacino's career is after the '70s, yes. and most of it is actually, unfortunately, not very good. Yeah. Um, but this is. I mean, the '70s is just such a prime. Yeah, so, so, so fucking good. Again, he was so amazing. Like the movies we missed i mean obviously godfather one and two panic in needle park and justice for all um but you know we couldn't do a godfather just on al pacino it's got that's got to be its own thing i guess so yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. anyway and uh and then we mourn the passing of um mr burt reynolds Yes. Oh my God. Bird is gone. Gator is Gator has gone to that big swamp in the sky. He was um he died two weeks shy of beginning filming his part in Tarantino's um new movie about the Manson murders. Really? He was gonna play the the ranch owner. Oh, no shit. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you want a ranch owner, this is this was the guy to get. Well, I mean, imagine that that could have been what he went out on instead of right. whatever else he went out on, which was probably which not, that not good. nearly. It wasn't, it wasn't a Tarantino film, which Tarantino, God love him, has a way of re- resuscitating people's careers. So yeah, that yeah. might have been an interesting. Ah, what a bummer! All right, so, they go out on a Raul, on the Raul Julia train. So there you go. And by the way, regarding Mr. Al Pacino, I still, if he's listening, and he probably is. Um, I still hold high hopes. <laughs> Googling my name. Shut up. <laughs> Where am I getting hit? Finley's on film. <laughs> um, he's. Uh, <laughs> we still hold high hopes that he will make. Was it Bob Dylan by way of El Pacino? Yeah. Okay. Um, times change. <laughs> Um, he's uh, he's still capable of making a great movie. Yeah, you don't. You've made enough money now. Make a good movie Please. again. Yeah, exactly. We, we Stop. need you, Mr. Pacino. Yeah. Please, 